Welcome to Science is Fun E. I'm your host, Private, aka Avery. I'm 10 years old and currently in the fifth grade. Joining me today is Skipper, aka Craig, who is going bald and forgets things. Ouch. I hit my head. Man, that hurts. Are you okay? Yeah, I was looking for my pen under the table and I bumped it. Good thing your head is as hard as a rock or you could have been really hurt. Hey, I'm injured here. A little sympathy would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck it up. You'll live. Skip, since we're talking about rocks, like your head, I remember my friend Ella asked what the difference between a rock, like your head, and a mineral was. Enough with the my head and rocks jokes. They're not very funny, Private. They're kind of funny, Skip. Right now my head doesn't think so. But okay, let's do some research on rocks and minerals. Okay. So, Private, we looked at the website of the United States Geological Survey, USGS.gov. What did we learn about rocks and minerals? I learned that both of them are pretty much like your head. Really hard. (laughs) In fact, they have a picture of the hardest rock they ever found, and it was of your head. (laughs) Okay, okay, you win. Enough with the rocks jokes. Right, so the USGS says that a mineral is a naturally occurring inorganic element or compound having an orderly internal structure and characteristic chemical composition, crystal form, and physical properties. Common minerals include quartz, feldspar, mica, olivine, and calcite. But I have no idea what any of that means. Yeah, that was a mouthful, all right. So let's break it down into something more understandable. That's a good idea. Right. So it says a mineral is naturally occurring. This means it's not man-made. Inorganic means that there's no carbon in it. No carbon? Why? Well, carbon compounds are organic compounds made by or from living things like coal. Okay, what about orderly internal structure? What the heck does that mean? (laughs) Well, you've seen crystals. They have a pattern or structure to them. Do you ever see a large building being built before the outside was put on? Yeah, there were these things my dad called girders on the outside and inside with a lot of space between them. My dad said the spaces would be where the rooms would be. Right, and when we look closely at minerals, they too have patterns and spaces just like that. Wait, my teacher said the ice is a crystal and has a pattern with spaces. She said that's why it floats. So you're saying ice is a mineral? No way! (laughs) Nope, you're right. Ice isn't a mineral. It's a rock! I gotta go back to the USGS site and check it out. I think you're making that up. Wow, you were right for a change. Glacier ice is a rock. They said it's a rock made out of only one mineral. Ice is the crystal form of water, H2O. It forms from tens of thousands of individual snowflakes into the crystals of glacier ice. So, Private, what are some other common types of minerals? Quartz, mica, and calcite. They're all really pretty. I have some mica here. See? Hey, I can see right through it. That's because of the spaces in the crystal. They allow light to go through. Okay, so we know what minerals are, but what about rocks? That's easy. A rock is a smash-up of one or more minerals. You know stuff like granite, limestone, and sandstone, and all the rocks we throw into the pond trying to get them to skip, skip? (laughs) Funny private. So 99 times out of 100, when I pick something hard off the ground, it will be a rock? Yep, very good, Skipper. So did you learn anything else from the USGS site? Yeah, I learned that there is things called ice worms that live in glacier ice and come out at night to feed on the algae that grows on the surface of the glacier. No way! Now you're making stuff up. That's not true. Yes, it is true. Ice worms are small worms that live in glacial ice in Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and British Columbia, but nowhere else. 
Some people thought they gave glacierites its blue color and that they could grow it to be 50 feet long. But none of that is true. They only grow to be about an inch long. Ice worms belong to the same group as earthworms, surprisingly. That is so cool. Get it? Ice worms, so cool. Can I use ice worms to catch ice fish? Not funny, Skipper. Kind of funny, Private. Skip, what are you afraid of? Well, you're pretty scary sometimes. No, seriously, what are some of the things that scare you? I have to be serious? Okay, well, since I jumped out of an airplane with just my parachute and three hours of training, I haven't been afraid of much. Why? Well, that was the scariest thing that ever happened to me. And since then, nothing else seems to scare me. My friend says she's afraid of high places, and I don't like spiders. They're, well, creepy and kind of icky, too. (laughs) Nana told me she's afraid of small rooms like elevators. I'm not really afraid of elevators. And why are some people afraid of some things and not others? Private, they're called phobias. Let's do some research on phobias. Wait, I'm afraid of research. (laughs) Not very funny, Private. Kind of funny, Skip. So, Private, we learned that a phobia is an exaggerated and irrational fear of an object or situation. What's irrational? Well, it would be rational if you were afraid of a grizzly bear, right? Yeah, they can kill you. Right, so being afraid of small spaces, which cannot harm you, is irrational. Okay, I get it. I also learned that not everyone who's really afraid of something has a phobia. The fear needs to be really great and last a long time. Like my fear of spiders, whenever I see a spider, I scream and jump up. They're just so creepy! (laughs) So what happens to the person who has a phobia when they're exposed to the object of their fear? The person who has a phobia will experience panic and terror, and they may have some physical symptoms. Well, like what? Well, they might sweat, have abnormal breathing, or a rapid heartbeat. They may shake or feel tightness in their chest, and there's some other symptoms, too. Wow, if they get those symptoms, I can see why a person would go to great lengths to avoid facing their fear. But, Skip, most of those phobias aren't scary at all. Why would someone get turophobia, a fear of cheese? I love cheese. It's my third favorite food. Or ornithophobia, a fear of birds. Birds are really cute. Private, that's why they're irrational. Yeah, so how can a person get a phobia? Well, a lot of people get them from their parents. When a child sees a mother freak out over a spider or a bug in the house, the child may develop an irrational fear of that bug or spider. And by the way, spiders only eat bugs. Without spiders, humans would not be able to survive because the bugs would eat all their food. Spiders keep us alive. I love spiders. Don't care. Still creepy. Still icky. Phobias usually develop between the ages of four to eight. They can also be caused by a stressful experience, like being locked in a room and not being able to get out, or by a frightening event like being in a car crash, which would probably make someone afraid of cars or maybe a thunderstorm, which might cause astrophobia, a fear of lightning. Private, there are also fears of open spaces called agoraphobia, Another common phobia you don't have is speaking in front of a group of people. Scientists have found that the amygdala part of the brain are where phobias seem to be triggered. The amygdala can trigger the release of chemical messages we talked about before, and they can put the body and brain in a highly alert and stressed state. Skip, is there a cure to these phobias? Well, there are treatments available. Most include speaking to a psychologist or a psychiatrist first. But if the phobia doesn't cause any severe problems, the person can just avoid the cause. Huh? Well, for example, if you have a fear of flying, well, you don't have to fly. You could take a train or drive or take a boat. But what if it's not possible to avoid the cause? Well, then there are medications or exposure therapy. What's exposure therapy? 
In exposure therapy, people are gradually exposed to the cause of their phobia over a period of time. For example, a psychologist may have a person with oclophobia, a fear of crowds, start by first thinking about crowds, then maybe looking at pictures of crowds. Then the person might visit an empty stadium, and they may gradually see more and more people in the stadium over time. And after a long time, maybe they could attend a rock concert. Wow, that's great! Yay, science and yay, scientists! Well, you got that right, Private. Well, that's our podcast for this week. Come back next time for another episode of Science is Fun E. Oh, and don't forget to visit our website at www.scienceisfune.com or listen on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or just search for Science is Fun E in the podcast section of your favorite podcast app. To suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes, email topics at scienceisfune.com. And remember, you could win a Science is Fun E t-shirt if you send in a suggestion and we use it in an episode. You can email me at private at scienceisfune.com or skipper at scienceisfune.com. I'm private, aka Avery, hoping you have a great week. TTFN.